Hello, Ben. How are you doing? Ah, uh, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. You? Yeah, very good. Have you had a good week? It's been an interesting month or so, actually. Certainly noticed the last three or four weeks, the, the inquiries, the workload has, has picked up fantastically, despite all the doom and gloom in the world and the press at the moment. Out of interest, do, do you find that there are, uh, over the course of the year, ups and downs in terms of mm. when the inquiries come through? Because I've tended to find it gets quite busy just before Christmas and just after the summer holidays. Yeah, I think so. I think especially with our line of work, the B2B side of things, late August, early September, I think people are rested and they kind of think, I've got to get on with it. Yeah. Um, comes towards the end of the year and people are thinking, you know what, I haven't finished this. I've got to, got to get it done by the end of the year. We, all, we then see a massive peak in January. Sometimes, you know, the second or third, you know, we can have more inquiries in those few days than we have in the, the whole of the month. And uh, yeah, normally around financial year, that, that, that's changed a little bit now, but it used to be when we did a lot of public sector work, kind of end of March. There oh, absolutely. A- yeah, because they need to get all the budget signed off and everything yeah. sort of paid for before. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, uh, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, August, September, January, there's two kind of main, main peaks. We send it, I, we always work off, we used to do print, and with print, it was kind of like, you didn't know what we were doing for the next three days. Yeah. But with web, there was always this three-month cycle. Um, every three months you'd have a you know a big bill of inquiries and it would dip back off again but that, that works works well as it goes through the the process then yeah and it's it's quite a tricky thing to get building a nice drip 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 of inquiries but ultimately that's that's something that i, I prefer to have nice steady work rather than these peaks and troughs you know that you yeah. typically get from a lot of agency work i used to i don't know if you listen to the podcast boag world at all you heard no, of that? No, no. It's, a, it's a long-running podcast and i i dip in and out of it occasionally but they often talk about this this wall three-month wall out in the future where they just don't have any work after that point you know they've got they always get work but they look ahead and there's this three-month wall where just everything drops off a cliff luckily we've not really had that our, our work tends to sort of go up and down really quite smoothly but I I would hate that as you know i'm quite a bit of a control freak so having this yeah, thing I ahead think, where you don't you can't predict yeah from the web development side of things most definitely you've, you've got that you don't really know what's going on three months time but that we've built in then you know the residuals the, the digital marketing side of things as well and to try and, and even that out on a monthly basis well we should jump back we've jumped straight into a conversation we should uh, just find out t- tell me a little bit about uh more about who you are your company how you help your your people. yeah yeah so um, i'm ben and uh, i own a Copper Bay. Uh, we've been going for about 11 years now. My background is in software development. I started off as a, a web designer, freelancer. Basically, over the years, yeah, we've, we've built a good reputation for building the, the complicated stuff. Not your, your run-of-the-mill plumbers, hairdressers, brochure websites, but it tends to be websites that need to integrate with other systems, more kind of strategic things. We're building one at the moment, which is a white labeling system, mm-hmm. um, and that integrates with internal stock control and talks to a, a third-party system as well. So it's that more kind of complicated system side of web development we, we really focused on uh, mobile apps web apps um, we build a lot of systems where we're trying to get people away from pen and paper excel spreadsheets that kind of stuff and um, or they're using kind of like 20 different off the shelf that's right and so, so you're either trying to tie them together or, or pull that together for them yeah quite heavily focused on systems and, and processes and, and the complicated side of things i mean because we moved away from that over the course of what 10 years that we've been doing this we we used to do a lot more bespoke programming or heavier websites you know tying is a lot of things so we've actually pulled away from that over the years and focused more maybe more on 
marketing sites and, and yeah. more design led or, or um, maybe something where you're funneling people down and, move, and providing information. What's led you into the more technical side of things? <laughs> I think it the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's my background. I started off as a freelance developer, you know, building the, the, the cheap brochure websites and things. We then moved into more of the, I suppose, the full service side of things. We were doing design, print, digital marketing, right. websites, the bespoke stuff. You know, it, it got very, very broad. And I think I then sat down and thought, well, you know what? I need to try and refine this a little bit. Um, otherwise, we'll be a, you know, a bit of a jack of all trades. Mm. And I know a lot of people went down the route of actually, like we were saying earlier, with the, the income forecasting and side of, that side of things, is that, you know, a lot of people think, well, actually, that, that project work, you know, yes, you get big projects. You don't know when the next one's coming in. With the marketing side of things and, and that, you get the retained work and the, the more even cash flow. And it was a kind of, it was a kind of a flip of the coin, which way do we go? But I think because my background is in, in software and we've got quite a good reputation, some very long-standing clients in that, decided to focus on on that. And we, we also get a lot of people coming to us that have gone to Upwork and channels like that and used uh, an overseas developer. Right, yeah. Uh, and actually, you know, they want to sit down around a table, talk face-to-face, you know, and go back to basics when it comes to designing a spoke website or a software system. Yeah, and it, that is incredibly value for a lot of people. Uh, I tend to work with probably smaller businesses than you would. There are some people who value that, where they mm. can sit either in front of someone or have regular contact or even maybe face-to-face like this over over Zoom or yeah. Skype. And just having fewer barriers in between that communication is so much easier. Nothing to do with skill level. Skills all around the world are exceptional, but it's just being able to have that quick contact where you can communicate very quickly about a, an idea and it's, it's so valuable, which is, is great. And it's, it's yeah. nice to be able to offer <laughs> You know, the likes of Zoom, especially in the last few years, um, has made a massive difference. If five years ago, you were saying, yeah, let's organize a, a Skype call. And people were like, oh, I have got to install it. Set it, up. <laughs> you know, it was hard work to organize it. But now, I mean, you know, we use Google Apps. We've got Zoom. It's all plugged in. You know, we use Calendly as well. It's a couple of clicks. It's in there. People are ready to go, especially with the phones and stuff. You know, people are on the app on their phone and you can have a meeting really, really easily. The language barrier and being able to speak face to face with someone, share a screen and, that, you know, helps massively when it comes to yeah the sharing screen has been key for me i often find that um because we have a mix of face-to-face with our clients so some maybe every three months it's face-to-face and then for the rest of the two it's a, a conference call like this but I found that we can be much more productive in a call because I can start bringing things up and doing some of the work or mocking up, sketching out ideas or looking at spreadsheets because I've got a big screen. I can share that big screen with them. Doing that at their premises with different varying computer technologies that they may have, feeds, you just don't know what where you are, whereas having that consistency is actually I find them much faster and much more helpful to them when, when we're working remotely than in person. I love that in-person contact. There's just yeah. something that you can't you can't get through this no. this method. No, no, no. Tell me about uh, maybe pick an, an interesting project that you've we've worked on recently and just talk about a few of the challenges that you you had with that. We're, we're working on one at the moment actually. In fact, it started with with a client. We were working with them on I suppose a digital consultancy. Really, they were using another web company. They were about to open up a second venue, do some big changes, which would have massive knock-on effects potentially potentially with Google and, and SEO and things. Mm. So we were working with them really on a basis of saying, well, okay, let's plan this and, and minimize the impact. And we were then consulting with their web company. After that project, the website went live and everything. Now opening a third venue, slightly different industry. So they're going to have a completely separate website for this. So they've come to, to talk about it. But it's, 
it's highlighted something um, which I, we mentioned earlier on, which is the the ownership of a website because he's come along and he said, well, right, you know, I don't really want to use that previous web company because the communication, the project management, a, a common one with web developers is, isn't it, is, is the personality types. It's very much, well, yeah, well, that's how the website works, you know, and there's, there's not that kind of orientation yeah. and understanding of how the business works and how yeah. you need to get everything talking together. So we're building the website for this new venue for him. And he's come along and said, great, let's transfer over the old website to you so everything's in one place and, and off we go. And it's hit a brick wall because the website that they have got, although he paid for and he thought he was buying his own spoke website with a CMS, it was built on an internal CMS system. So this web company have got their own CMS they've developed over the years, like very much like WordPress, but their own yeah. brand one. But the website has to work with it and they can't release that. So he can't move the website. So what we're doing now is going through and saying, well, right, what if we were to move a static version of the website? So you haven't got the ability to edit it behind the scenes. It's just, you know, a, a website that you would have had 20 years ago, plain HTML and, and not editable. So then we're talking now about, okay, well, what if we were to plug in a, a simple editor just so they could keep the news and events up to date? And then eventually, yeah, like WordPress into it because then it becomes his own entity and it becomes his ownership. And if he does want to move on from us in a few years' time or things change, he can do it's portable and i think that's you know the right thing to do with with websites but that it's unfortunately quite a common one for us to, to deal with where we work with companies that can't move away from their existing supplier without starting from scratch again so with us it's that problem solving element of right well how can we work around this what can mm. we do to the situation it's funny you mention that because that's a, a video i picked up on when i was just doing a bit of research before our call i mean you produce a lot of videos on on your channel but this one specifically stuck out to me because it was uh, the title was do you fully own your website mobile app and bespoke software I, I seem to remember you may you might mention that uh, little story in, in this it's, it's incredibly important I, I was working with someone recently and they just wanted to produce a small site and they wanted to know well can they pull it away from the company and sort of will host it temporarily while, while they're doing it similar situation to you but they couldn't even though it was WordPress I assume they were using a multi WordPress in multi network right. install because I was saying well if we can just get admin access we're able to sort of pull it off and, and migrate it over no problem but they we obviously can't they couldn't do that I, they could to a certain degree and this this is where I, I I'm I'm not sure certainly with something like WordPress it is an open source platform they may well have developed certain things but there should be no reason why we can't pull the content out and get an, an XML export from WordPress. And then we can import that into the new site and then it will pull all the images across. I mean, that is part of how WordPress works. But they weren't open to to that. It was like, well, once you stop paying, that's it. Yeah, it's that relationship. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've seen that a lot. <laughs> it goes the other way too. We, we will host your current website for the time being while we develop a new one because, yeah. you know, that that's what they want to do. But clients worry that their existing company will throw the toys out the pram and turn off their hosting <laughs> and things and you know we say right well what we'll do is we'll, we'll pick up and we'll host the website for you in the interim and then you know you have these projects sometimes they, they go along speedily and sometimes the client thinks oh my god what have i let myself in for and you end up hosting this thing for nine nine months or something yeah it, it tends to be the, the company kind of says you know well, i don't want to deal with this anymore you're not paying me you're not my client i can, I, I can understand that but uh, but i'd rather graciously let go of a client yeah. than than cause a problem obviously if there's any bills outstanding that might be an issue but but if it's really the a month by month payment why not help them on their way if they're going to go you know by the time they've already said they're going to go help them leave quickly yeah. smoothly they'll remember it um, yeah. there's no point making us think about it i don't know if you um how you manage with static sites but we use a, a quite a, a good tool called uh, site sucker okay. so yeah. If, yeah. yeah if you've got a problem where you you just simply cannot transfer that site but it's still publicly available it's a mac app i don't know if it's available on pc 
but you can put the site address into SiteSucker and it will visit every single page within that website and download everything that your browser would normally see, creating yeah. a static website, which is fully portable. It's actually really useful if you're upgrading a new site because you can take a copy of the old site for full reference that will run anywhere without an internet connection. But we have used it once or twice for those instances where we just couldn't get access and they, they needed to, to, to move it quite quickly. Even though they couldn't edit it, it didn't matter because the turnaround for getting the new website live was short enough that it wasn't going to be significant. We've used one. It's, it's quite an older tool, but it works. It's, I think it's HT Track or something like that. Which yeah. is a really good one. But it is exactly that. It's grab that, have a local static copy of it. You know, the, the client can update it, which is a norm these days, really. But as you say, if it's for an interim thing, then... It, it's even useful sometimes, even if, with your own website, if you're developing your own website in-house or, or alongside an agency, just to take a regular snapshot of how the website's developing because it's yeah, it's yeah. nice to look back on things. Actually having a copy of the website every so often can be quite useful because you don't realise how much websites can change over time when they're quite fluid. Mm, mm, quite agree. Maybe that leads us on nicely to talk about the current state of websites. And, and this is how I sort of wanted to bring you in on, on, on the podcast, really, because both being sort of involved in websites, but, but from different angles, you, you're probably yeah. much more technical side. I'm intrigued by how people perceive websites nowadays, because a lot of people I speak to, maybe their first foray onto the web in terms of promotion is via something like Facebook or an Instagram page or Twitter, if you're lucky, certainly younger people, they're going to go straight onto Instagram. And that is their presence. That is where they want to drive people towards. That is where they're doing all of the, putting all of their energy. In some cases, with Facebook, you can you can have your product list and people can buy online there. So it's actually taking over some of those things that would naturally fall to a website. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the role of websites in, in the way businesses work nowadays. I think it's very much depending on the size of the business and, and who the target audience is. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel, feel very strongly that a website should always be the core of your marketing activities because it comes back to this ownership thing that that you are should be but you know if you go to the right suppliers you've got the right team around you you own your website you're in yeah. control of that um however yesterday morning i was at a breakfast networking thing and been for a long time but i was chatting to one of the roofers there and he was like yeah i don't bother with my website anymore you know he just puts stuff on facebook his friends recommend him that's where all of his business comes from it's it's the modern word of mouth isn't it it's people yeah asking for recommendations on Facebook, you know, tagging a friend and then you can message them directly. And I think that is a massive, massive shift away from websites for a certain industries and certain sizes of business. Over the years, then that changed so that you would jump onto Google or go onto Yelp. But social media has kind of come over that now, I think, you know, and, and certainly for those kind of businesses, um, social media is, is is a stronger position than, than a website. But, and, and a lot of it comes down to content, I think, because the hardest part, you'll know, uh, of a launching a website is getting the content together yeah. you know and saying or, or wrangling the client to get the content together <laughs> yeah you know and you know what we do need a picture of you and, and and that roof that you've repaired i'm a roofer and here's a picture of my van is not enough for a five-page website people if you know on a website people want to see case studies examples testimonials lots of pictures i mean this guy yesterday was doing his 10-minute bni presentation and he, he bought with him like 500 photos for a five minute slot, you know, and he, he, he got through about 80 of them. Interestingly, just looking at his photos made me think, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know, my roof is actually coming to end of life. I could see from the photos he'd taken how good a job he'd done. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll give him a, I'll give him a shout. I've seen the work. And actually, it's that visual medium that, you know, you, if you go to a website, then 
there's not going to be enough good quality content on there. But on Facebook, Instagram, platforms like that, they can just upload pictures from their phone. It's much faster. It's much easier. We're used to that. Yeah, you know, you're so absolutely right. It, it comes down to that content management. And that's one of the, the reasons I've had from people. Because we, we do a lot, a lot of just general consulting. I, I, I work with Fastershire in Herefordshire and Gloucestershire, uh, the fastest sort of scheme to, pr- to provide free support for businesses. And a lot of what I hear is that it's just it's just easy. As you say, you can do it from your phone, you can take a photo and post it, post it there and then. You don't have to go and your big computer and, and log in and or try and find the details for it because it's in, in, a, in a medium that you're already in, maybe personally. It's just one step to the business um, side. And for our kickboxing, our local kickboxing group, they have a website, sure. And that's actually how I found them first, because maybe being of a slightly older generation, I'm sort of one of those people who are in between, that uh, that's that's where I look first on Google. But actually, it's their Facebook presence where all the photos from every single session get put up, all the silly videos that they make, all the conversation, that's where it all happens. And it and certainly does work, work very well for, for a local organization or business. Take that kickboxing example. I think once you're a member, once you're part of it, you would follow the Facebook page and you would be engaged. But that initial one, are you going to go onto Google and go kickboxing clubs near me. Therefore, kind of going from there to a website or to a directory listing. Um, but then once you're on board with them, then social media takes over. Uh, I think we're going to see more and more of the social media for, for local marketing. And what about the relationship between the two? Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example, maybe to set the scene. We work with an architect in Hereford. They, they've got a lovely website, lots of beautiful images, portfolio of, of their work, lots of detail there, gives you all the information about how you might work with them. But on Social media, they post or they have been posting a lot of on-site work behind the scenes. So here is uh, some concrete being poured. Here's the scaffolding going up. Here's, um, you know, something we discovered on the build, all those sorts of things. The things you don't normally get to see when, when, a, when a building's happening, which they're taking anyway as a sort of an archive for the, for the client, but also for themselves. But what they've started to do is actually they're, they're building such a valuable amount of imagery there, but it's just stuck on Twitter or it's just stuck on Facebook. They're now bringing it back onto the website to form on one page like a gallery, an on-site gallery. So as they update photos, it just it's, it's much more masonry or Pinterest style yeah. where, where the photos will show up there because still a lot of people want to use the website when they're referring to people they'd rather take them to their own property rather than send them off to Twitter and sort of navigate and also things get lost on the timeline they just sort of disappear isn't it something like if you open up the Facebook app on your phone it's something ridiculous like 1500 or 1800 things that Facebook could show you in that split second and it's got to show you 10 things yeah. to get you to start scrolling through to 20, 30, 40. There is so much content on there that doesn't get seen, you know, and, and there's also this danger that you're not in complete control. We don't know what Facebook and Google and people are going to be doing in the future. You know, you, you're posting that stuff onto somebody else's platform. If they then say, actually, we're going to charge businesses £50 a month, you're trapped. You know, you, you, you have to go along with it and, and, and have to do it if, you, if, that, if you're reliant on that. Yeah, exactly. I'm going back to the websites and stuff and saying, actually, put the content out on social media. But if you grab that content and you put it on your website you're in control if the hosting company banish or your web company held you to ransom and stuff there are technicalities around that that we, we mentioned earlier but at the end of the day it's still your entity you should be able to pick it up and say to somebody else right you host my website um you know a small little glitch but you're you're, you're, you're moving again you know facebook turned around and said well actually business pages i mean business pages have got very poor visibility anyway these days unless you're getting engagement and you're going to get engagement by having those kind of behind the scenes 
pictures. Uh, we work with a lot of uh, property estate agents and it's saying to them, yeah, no one really wants to see the picture of a three bed semi, you know, going up. They want to see the view out the back of the house or the garden or the amazing bedroom or the stunning bathroom or the, you want to see the detail. You want the stuff that's engaging, not just the, the run of the mill. They would have these lovely videos as well. Uh, I think they even did drone footage in the house. So they'd fly the drone around from room to room. But one of the most interesting things, I and I think they were called Free Agent 247. I can't remember. We actually had them on the podcast a, a while back. One of the in- most interesting things they do is they would talk about how you might live in the property as well. So if you were commuting, so they might do a video on where you might commute to the, the train station and what coffee shops you might pass and restaurants and things like that, and what's in the area. And so it's much more about the lifestyle of you being there, living there, than just a, a functional features yeah. list of the house. And I, I really like that. They weren't just saying this is a house and technically listing out everything. They were describing what it's like to be in here, which you, you often might get from an estate agent in person. But that's not that's just one to one. You know, this what was great about this it was a, a video. They were either talking piece to camera like this or they were having a narrated um, uh, slideshow. And I just thought that that added a lot more personality to, mm. to what they were doing. Very much. Um, I want to talk more about this sort of ownership of social media. But before we do, I want to go to just a very short um, sponsor. This episode is sponsored by 34sp.com. They offer fast, secure and managed WordPress hosting for the low price of $9.95 a month. One of the reasons I move most of our clients over to 34sp is that they take care of website updates. Now, WordPress is one of the biggest website platforms out there and because of that, it's a large target for malicious attacks. So keeping WordPress and your plugins up to date is the best way of protecting your site and your data. Not only do 34SP manage the WordPress core updates, so you're on the most secure and stable release, but they also update your plugins for you. And if you're a control freak like me, you can delay those updates for up to seven days, and this allows you to do any testing. And it gives me certainly the peace of mind that all our client sites are up to date. 34SP also offer incredibly fast server and page caching, a free SSL certificate with Let's Encrypt, a free website migration service, which I make full use of, a daily backup and site snapshots, a staging area to spin up a copy of a website to make tests safely, no restrictions on bandwidth, a simple control panel, and great UK-based support even on the weekend. So visit 34SP to upgrade your WordPress hosting, and when you do, use the code WPINVENTIVE at checkout. That's WPINVENTIVE, all one word, to get your first three months completely free. So actually, yeah, I want to come back to you fully on your website. And we were talking about how social media can be quite useful for local companies and how that actually is their online presence. It can be a real problem in terms of owning that, though. And, and I'll just bring up an example that I heard about recently. It was an Instagrammer called Jessie Taylor. I won't pull up the website because there's a, a couple of sort of risque images of her on there. But the, but the idea behind it was that she, her account had been pulled because Insta, it violated some of Instagram's policy. I can't remember how long she'd been Instagramming for, but it's a long time. She'd built up a lot of credibility. She had a lot of weight in her audience. And so they pulled her account because they felt she stepped over a line. I'm not sure exactly what that line was as far as she she says. Um, there was nothing illegal that she'd done. She's nothing against the policy. It's just that one of their administrators decided it was um, stepping over the line. The problem was she had no recourse against that. So there was no appeal process. They just took her account down immediately. And she had no way of getting it back. It's gone. It's been deleted. Obviously, if you had a website and you had something that crossed the line on there, you know what those lines are because you can go and look at law and find out what, what the lines are. You can go through an appeal process. You know who to talk to. It, it's also your content. So 
if the if your host wanted to take your website down, they have to go through a bit of a process in terms of warning you've got maybe copywritten content on there or it violates certain laws. So there's a, there's going to be a, a period of time where you can work that out. I, I think this is quite important thing that people don't think about when they're when they are reliant on their social platform of choice. Anyway, I just want to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, I, I think Google and Facebook being the two big boys, um, and obviously you know Facebook's behind Instagram as well. We don't know that policies are very very much. I suppose, in the hands of the gods. Um, we were doing a Facebook campaign for a client a couple of years ago now. You know, and this is a paid Facebook campaign. Um, so we'd put all the ads up and everything, and it was all running. And then all of a sudden, it was for it was for a franchise business. Nothing sinister. It was for a gardening franchise. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, the ads would be running, the leads would be coming in, and then gone. The ads would be blocked. And you'd go in there, and it would say, ad disabled for policy violation. So we'd go through their appeals process. And you can't talk to anybody. Uh, you know, you fill in the form and you send it off to them. They go, yeah, no worries. We've checked that. Ads are back up and running again. You know, two or three days later, and then gone. You know, and a computer behind the scenes, an algorithm behind the scenes, has just gone and picked up on something that it doesn't like, put two and two together and, and made eight and said, policy violation, you stopped. And this was, I mean, that was a really frustrating one because the ads would bring you some fantastic leads. It was just constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and But we're in the, the hands of the, the gods. You know, yeah. it's like Google search. You know, the Google ads are getting more and more expensive to run now. The cost of of, ad, of pay-per-click or paper impression, paid advertising through Facebook and Google is going up and up because they've got a captive audience. Um, you know, there's nothing we can we can do about it. Can't guarantee a position on, on Google. You can obviously make improvements to improve your visibility on Google. But at the end of the day, they do an algorithm change, you're gone. Yeah. A guy that was had a multi-million pound betting tips business, uh, down Exeter, I think he was. And all of his traffic was coming through from Google. And then they did their update in 2012, I think it was, it was a 2012 update. Overnight, the website vanished, completely vanished off Google. It had gone from a million pound turnover to nothing. Nothing he could do about it. No one he could talk to, nothing he could do to recover it. Over the next six months, changed and switched to Facebook advertising and, and rebuilt the business and went down that route. Um, and, it, you know, he's back up and running again now. But perfect example where Facebook, Google, whether it's social media or, or search, we are completely reliant on them. And it's a dangerous situation. AdWords, yeah, you know, you, if you want to be found, you've got to pay, but it's getting more expensive. You know, they do have that free offering. Facebook, these days, business pages get very, very little visibility. Yeah. Um, you've got to pay, you've got to pay some, somehow, or you've got to really encourage a lot of engagement to get, uh, get noticed. That comes back to just good quality content and, and generating interesting content. But we're very, very much, you know, as a business, you're very much reliant on, on them. I think it's important to have all these multiple channels because i suppose one thing that comes across what we've been saying is the multiple touch points that you know you very rarely do, do people these days because of the digital world because they can do research very rarely do people kind of go oh i need a roofer oh there's their phone number on google bring them done they've got the job it's a case of actually we can go onto google and look somebody up we can go on to raging people or on tl and, and look them up you can go onto their social media and do some digging around you can go onto youtube and see if they're doing any videos and go on to spotify and see if there's a podcast from them and you get all these multiple touch points to get to know the people behind the business it's that whole no like trust yes I think it's important to have all of these touch points, but knowing actually which ones your core are that you're in control of and not relying on anybody externally too heavily. You know, as we say, Facebook is is very important.
Um, so is Google, so is your own website. I would worry if I spoke to a business and they said, oh, we've just got our Facebook page and that's the only thing we do because I think it's all your eggs in one basket. And with the likes of Facebook and Google, you just don't know what they're going to do next and, and how things are going to change. If you think about the idea of having the multiple touch points, as you said, I mean, it's, before we started recording, we were talking about why we do these videos. You know, I was asking you about the, the video videos that you produce on your channel. And it is, for me, multiple touch points. It's the fact that people can get to know you on the video. They can see some of the work you've done on the website. They may even follow you on social media so they get an idea for what you're interested in and what, what you understand and what you're sharing. And so through those different um, medium, uh, media that they can really understand a, whether they want to work with you if, if they are moving that direction, or B, stop, you can you can start highlighting those sort of issues that, 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 that you might be able to help help them with it when they're ready. Just just coming back to the, the AdWords, I, I found a, uh, an interesting uh, tweet came up from Jason Fried, who uh, uh, developed a uh, Basecamp, uh, which is a project man management software that we use. Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer Hansen are usually quite vocal on things on Twitter. They're not afraid to sort of stick their oar in and, and sort of wiggle it about and berate companies or people who they think are doing the wrong thing. They're not always doing necessarily the right thing themselves, but they, they do they do certainly have a higher level than most companies. But I'll just just share his um, his tweet that uh, that I saw that came came through. Basecamp are venturing into a bit more marketing. They don't haven't tended to do much marketing in the past. They've tended to rhyme more on word of mouth, to be honest, and they're quite a big company for it. But they were going more into marketing and they were doing more organic optimization. And they they found that even though if people put in just their brand term Basecamp into Google, that there would be five ads above them. So there would be other companies, competitors buying their, uh, and it is trademark term, uh, getting ads above their organic listing. And they might be doing things like workflow versus Basecamp. We compare the two or something like that. And that pissed him off, frankly, because <laughs> he said, it's our term. We've trademarked it. And he, and he understands that people compete for sort of generic keywords and things like that, where the other companies just don't feel confident about their own product. They have to go and stand in front of this other product. He he had this, this tweet, which I'll, I'll share in the show notes. But then I also heard him on, I think it was the Verge cast. Let me try and find it here. They've got a podcast called Rework. And he talks about what he calls the Google ad shakedown, where basically Google are the only player in town for organic search. So if you want to be found, yes, you can try your luck by getting organic. But even if you're at the top, the ads will still be above that and you really need to pay if you want to be found and he likens it to people standing in front of your shop so you're you're a pie maker and you've got your pie maker competitor over the over the road and they get their employees to come and stand in front of your shop saying oh we do better pies than these guys or that sort of thing and he says you just wouldn't do that in real life that's just not that's not going to happen the police going to get called you're causing disruption it's it's really bad behavior if nothing else online this happens all the time so it's definitely worth listening to that um, interview with him gives an insight into google but you were saying there's nothing we can do i think what we can do is if we don't like something like this you know we can either stand up and, and and voice it, make sure that they know about it, build a momentum, maybe jump on board Jason Fried here and sort of amplify what he's saying. Because I can see why Google are doing it. They're going to make more money. They put these ads at the top. Definitely understand it from their point of view. But from a point of view of good business, maybe it's it's not the right way forward. I certainly think if if we have issues with things, we should certainly stand up for what's right where we can, where we can or find someone else is doing that and support.
support them. It's a trade-off, isn't it? I suppose this digital world that we, you know, they give us stuff for free. I suppose the un, the unwritten rule is that we're actually, while we're having this stuff for free, we're, we're giving you our data and we're allowing you to track us. Yeah. That's the currency that we're we're using. But I mean, you know, Google has changed massively. You know, the, the Google search results page over the last few years, because mobile is so key, the amount of ads that are at the top, mm. then you get ads, then you get the organic listings. You know, the, the organic stuff really is having a hard time of it. Um, and I think the last stat I heard, which is a good few years old now, was that, that Google was earning £154,000 every single minute of AdWords. I think that was a 2015 stat. But they've got to earn their money from somewhere. They give us all this stuff for, for free. But as you say, it's not fair that there's, yes, if you were looking for workflow management, you know, and you were doing a generic search, yeah. you get ads coming up, you know, fine. You know, you go back to the yellow pages, you'd have people paying for bigger size adverts than other people. When it comes down to brand names, it's different. I mean, they, uh, should, they should block that as well, because, you know, he, he, he was saying that if you try to use Google in there, they won't let you. They, they put out a tweet that their Google ad was Basecamp.com. We don't want to run this ad. They then said in the text, because Google won't let us, because Google are doing this. That. They said, no, that, that's a policy violation. You can't do that. He says, but that's what other people are doing to us. It is about Google. I think it's less, it's more about the competition. It's like if your program, your software, your service, whatever it is, has merit, let it stand on that merit. Pull the customers away from Basecamp because you can do something better or simpler. Aside from that, though, I think there is an, an element that of people's knowledge. I suppose like Google is a, is, is a, is a word, you, know, you Google something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, have people worked in organizations or, or been around, spoken to a friend and they've said, oh yeah, you want to put that on Basecamp? They're like, all oh, right, well, what's this? And they're going to go and Google that. Yeah. What they're actually looking for is, you know, what project management or workflow systems are, are there out there, but they're using Basecamp because that's what they've been told. That's, you know, it's a yeah, maybe that's a victim of their own success that, that it's becoming much more of a generic term rather specific software. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a tricky one with these. And, and, and again, when it comes to it and you want to put a complaint in about you know, trademark violation or, or trading standards or anything like that. There's not a great deal that can be done. Um, you know, who, who who can you talk to? Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more recourse with Google sometimes if you can navigate through to find their phone number, but ultimately it's it's up to them. And I, and I think that's really the, what we were talking about really for this podcast. It's like about ownership, making sure that you are in control of your assets wherever yeah. they are. So even on Google, if you're number one, you know, you still can't control all the assets on there because effectively you're still in someone else's playground. So you've got to make sure that you have diversified where where you're where you are, even from from online and offline. As you say, you go you go networking. So then that should be part of the mix to bring them all in and not rely on just Google Ads for your income stream uh, or lead stream coming in because something can change. And and it's yeah. about controlling that. Definitely, you're, you're you're in control. You're, you're you've got the ownership um, and you're pulling the strings. <laughs> yeah, where, where possible. <laughs> I actually haven't asked this question to a lot of people for, for no particular reason. But I used to ask about, uh, you know, what, what apps they use, what, you know, what tools, because I'm, I'm really into apps, tools and just doing things better. And I'm yeah. interested in how people do that. But I'm going to expand it out as well. If there are any interesting books, business or otherwise, or podcasts or films or music, anything really that you found interesting or useful in your day-to-day -day life recently that you'd like to share? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good fan, big fan of um, audiobooks. Yeah. You know, spending time traveling up and down the M4 or the M5, seeing clients and stuff, I'll stick an audiobook on and, and learn and, and listen. I suppose the best one that I always refer back to is one called Rocket Fuel, you know, and it talks very much about, especially from a business point of view, it takes two people to control it. I first listened to it a good few years ago. You know, I, I had a business partner and, and things weren't working out too well. And Rocket Fuel, I listened to it and it made me think, you know what, I now understand 
understand where I've gone wrong, why, what needs to change. I, I always, always go back to and say to people, good. The most recent one I've listened to is, uh, what is it? They ask, you answer. Really about content generation. In short, guy in the States had a swimming pool business. It all started collapsing in the 2008 crisis. He went down the route of content marketing um, and put out their content about what kind of swimming pool do you need? What are you going to use it for? How do you clean it? How do you maintain it? What's the running costs? All that, like we were saying earlier about you know, the architect, putting the behind the scenes pictures out. You're generating content that's of interest to people, not just going, I sell swimming pools, come and buy them for me, you know, which is your website and your social media just reading out your message. You're generating useful content. Very, very worthwhile listening to. Yeah, no, sorry, they ask, you answer. Okay. That's the one. It's on my shelf over there. Cool, that's brilliant. So I'll, I'll make sure they're linked. Where can we find you online? Where's the best place to get in touch? LinkedIn. Talk about social media and ownership and things like that. But li- li- LinkedIn, I, uh, I'm on there. Copper Bay Digital as well. Uh, and I'm at Ben Canaird on Twitter, or you can email me hello at ratherinventive.com. Um, or come along to one of our events. We've got, uh, we're running lots of events this year, actually. Lots of free ones mainly. Go to ratherinventive.com slash events. If you want the show notes for this episode, go to ratherinventive.com slash podcast. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our video feed on YouTube, or if you just want to use audio only, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, they're the main ones. And if you want to support this podcast, just rate us on iTunes. If you find it enjoyable, just do give us a rating, share it with someone else. You can also check out our sponsor. Dick it, 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 dick it